Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Whenever you want to start. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. All right, guys. Um, we're here. Um, we um, we're gonna record the podcast yesterday, but we, to Alex's credit, uh, we held off because we wanted to all read the reports, um, read the findings um, from the Chicago, uh, you know, Jenner and Block report. Um. We we're going to start recording at 6. It's now 6.30, basically, because um, Kyle Beach has just spoken on SportsCenter with Rick Westhead. Listen, I, obviously, reading that that um, that report was difficult enough. Um, but, you know, it, it didn't really hit me personally, all of this, until listening to Kyle Beach, who has identified himself as the player that Brad Aldrich and the Blackhawks and all that. He's the victim. John Doe. John Doe, yes. He is John Doe. John Doe what? Obviously, there's that whole other thing going on. Um, there is a lot to talk about here. Um, I, I thought I had it nice and planned and know how we were talking about this until that interview. But I think the first thing to say is to thank you to Kyle Beach for identifying himself, um, for telling his story, because even if he doesn't know it, um, but I feel he does, he has helped a lot of people with this today. Um, And right now, I can't help but shake off this just anger towards the Blackhawks right now. Um, You guys, I think you saw my reaction. I, I wiped a tear at a specific moment. And that was when he, Rick Rust had asked Kyle, what do you say to the student that Brad Aldrich sexually assaulted, you know, in, I think it was um, in Michigan. And he, he said, sorry. Kyle apologized, wishing he could do more. Uh, he apologized. We're going to get into some more formal stuff to start, but it's just, I, I can't wrap my head around all of this. The Blackhawks denying it, Coach Q denying it, the players continuing to sort of, Duncan Keith said today he claims that he didn't know about it until the initial lawsuit. Um, t- today might be the most important day in the history of the National Hockey League. And they're going to screw it up. 
I. They are. I, I hate to say it. It's just if if Joel Quinn and I'm and I mean this. If Joel Quenville is behind the bench at tonight's game, and I think they start in about half an hour, it's a failure. It's a failure. They have failed the one thing that they said they're going to do. They have failed it. Listen, I know us providing context is very context is very important, but um, people find it 107. I know it's a lot. Go read it. But warning. It is not easy. It's not. Um, there are details in there, and they're not. They're ugly. They are. Just, just to bring it up, if you don't want to read the entire report, uh, Rick Westhead has a timeline uh, piece where he kind of outlines from the beginning of the lawsuit up until now, and each piece has a story. Uh, it's on Rick Westhead's um, Twitter page. Mike Stevens also has been tweeting out some really good bits of it too. Yeah. So that's the, 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 e, that's the um, staff and graph, Mike Stevens, by the way. Yes. So here's what we know. There was a meeting that did indeed have the high brass of the Chicago Blackhawks, including Jim Gary, who was one of the skill coaches at the time, who I believe was the person that Paul Vincent told about the initial incident involving Aldridge and, and Beach. Beach went to, I believe it was Vincent. Um, Joe Quinville, who we know is, who was the coach of that Blackhawks team, is now at the floor of the Panthers. Uh, Kevin Dayoff, who was AGM at the time, now the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Jay Blunk, another more or, a member of the organization. Al McIsaac, who has been one of their senior VP of um, a player personnel, not to mention just has been in the organization for, I think it's around 20 years um, or president or vice president of hockey ops. I believe there was also Stan Bowman who is now stepped down was allowed to step down as GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, say he has also stepped down as GM of team USA for the Olympics. Again, allowed to step down and also former president, John McDonough, who we know left the organization, uh, I want to say last year, or right before COVID probably, um, due to some disagreements. doesn't need to be related to this because we didn't know about this back then. Um, and basically, they were told about the incident, and they did nothing for it. Was un, it was understood that it was left to John McDonough, and Stan Bowman was very clear in laying the blame at his feet, and there was nothing done for three weeks. Go ahead. Uh, no, just to provide context, this was this was all going on in the yeah. middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I believe the conference finals. I believe they're playing San Jose. They, yeah, in, in 2010, they had just beat San Jose. Sorry about the dog. Um, just beaten the um, just beat the Cirques to secure their spot in the Cup final. You're right. Which is very important for later on. Yeah. So. At the end of that, by the way, we will go back to some stuff from the meeting and some of how some individuals have sort of, and what's been said. Um, At the end of those three weeks, once the cup final was done, Brad Aldrich, in the meantime, actually, and all that, Brad Aldrich made sexual advancements, advances, sorry, on a 22-year-old NHL intern. Their inaction led to that. Now, at the end of all of this, Brad Aldrich 
was not investigated by the Blackhawks. They gave him a chance. This the the findings of Jenner and Block show that the Blackhawks said, "Okay, Brad, we can either open investigation or you can leave." Yeah. He was still paid for months after. He was still around the team for the finals. He was still at the celebrations. The report actually has photos of what he was at. He has a ring, and his name, as far as we know, is still on the Stanley Cup. I just... It's, it's almost... I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. You don't get what? Just I just don't know what goes through their minds. We know that Joe Quinville did say, and I'm paraphrasing here, or, or sorry, that um, Stan Bowman has claimed that that Joe Quinville, to the effect, said, and I can get the exact um, the exact quote of it in a second here, but basically saying that Quinville saying this was going to disrupt team chemistry, and that's what he didn't like about it. Of course, distractions. You know how much we love talking about distractions in the sport of hockey. Well, the quote that Quinville had today about I try and keep distractions out when talking to the media today was just amazing, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, he all but like not confirmed it, but it's like, well, <laughs> you laid the the groundwork for what went on that in that those days, mm-hmm. uh, saying, "Well, I try to keep the distractions out of the room." Well. I wonder what happened. There was another bit here. This is about Joe Quindrell as well. Uh, so this is what I was talking about. Bowman recalled that after learning of the incident, Quinville shook his head and said that it was hard for the team to get where they were and they could not deal with the issue right now. Bowman further recalled the McDonough reference his um, sorry that um, McDonough referenced his previous employment with the Chicago Cubs. Bowman recalled McDonough saying that the Blackhawks might never make it this far in the playoffs again. So the priority, and there is another bit where 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 Quinville quotes chemistry being a problem here. They put chemistry and having a shot at doing the thing over sexual assault. Even at the time, it would have been, all right, so there's alleged... Ex- it, it doesn't matter. They didn't... Apparently, they purposely avoided going to HR about this for weeks. Again, here's another snippet I'll read you. So this is on June 14th. McDonough informed... June 14th. This is after everything, right? McDonough informed the Blackhawks' then-director of Human Resources that Aldridge had allegedly made a sexual advance on John Doe. According to the director of Human Resources, McDonough also informed her about the May 23rd meeting in his office. That helped, that's the one with all the, the high brass, right? During which McDonough said it was decided that the group would not alert Human Resources or do anything about the incident during the playoffs. Here it is, as not to disturb team chemistry. When interviewed, McDonough stated that he did not recall this conversation with human resources. By the way, not recalling stuff is a very common theme throughout this entire dossier, I will mention, by the way. And a reminder, the incident with the 22-year-old intern continued. Not to mention, if you also read the rest of this, there is stuff of when the team was going out to a restaurant. I think it was a Pita Land or something. And Aldridge texting 
not only John Doe or Kyle Beach, we should say now, but also who was referred to as Black Ace One in this entire thing. Their negligence, they were negligent, led to another incident. More than one. So I want to find this other part here. Okay, I'm not going to screen share because honestly, um, some of the titles I have here for some of these investigations are... um, So listen to this. This is one more snippet. So this is about in um, a June to... This is going to be a little little much, so just bear with me here. In a June 2009 unsigned performance evaluation, so this is technically before everything happened, Quinville wrote that, quote, Brad did a great job to accommodate the coaches preparing for meetings and their everyday needs. I believe going forward, Brad can be more efficient by being in a separate working environment and not in the middle of constantly being disturbed. In his last performance evaluation, dated June 29th, 2010. So that's at the end of the playoffs, okay? How does he have a job? Like, can, Why can't anyone give me a proper answer on that? Well, Alex, uh, this might be a reason. Nepotism. After Aldridge had, I don't, maybe not. Does he have a, some? Is Aldridge related to someone in the game? Yeah, someone in San Jose. Yeah, his dad. Yeah, trade. So okay. yeah, there's that connection there where it's just you're gonna hire each other's kids. Okay, Alex, do you just want to quickly read this part about a, a potential job evaluation that Quinville is apparently wrote? Yeah. So this is in the report. Uh, in a June 2009 unsigned performance evaluation, Quenville wrote that, quote unquote, Brad did a great job to accommodate the coaches prepare, preparing for meetings and their everyday needs. I believe going forward, Brad can be more efficient by being in a separate working environment and not in the middle, constantly being disturbed. <sighs> that, that just sounds kind of off, doesn't it? That That's the 2009 one. Do you want to hear the 2010 one? I'd love to. Okay. In his last performance evaluation, Jade dated June 29th, 2010. This is after Aldridge had separated from the team, but unsigned by Quenville and Aldridge, Quenville wrote, Aldridge did a great job for the coaching staff in preparing us for all our meetings and coordinating several tasks that we forward his way. Brad has several people relying on him at the same moment and has a way of deflecting and accommodating everyone at once. Congrats on winning the Stanley Cup. When interviewed, Quenville stated that he did not recall whether he wrote the June 29th, 2010 evaluation of Aldridge or if he knew whether Aldridge had been separated at that time, but did not dispute that he may have written the evaluation. It's again, it's the thing of, I don't recall that. I think that's that's the legal way of saying almost no, but it's lying without lying, right? So the next sentence, I guess this is important too. He further stated that the review looked to him like something he would write. Okay. It's like listening to Gary Bettman talk. You know what I mean? It is. Very much is. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, I say it again. Why? How does he still have a job? Like right now, like at this moment, in 20 minutes, the game starts against Boston, Florida versus Boston. How does he have a job? Sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. No, it's just my apologies for my voice. Yeah, I think that's just one thing that I wanted to know more. It's just that as these things become more immediate, that we're getting a lot more updates with this. 
that there's going to be a lot of that affecting what's going on around the league. And with Joe Quenville, it's just not even a statement, not anything that's going on, even from the organization I'm finding right now that it's just that kind of thing where, and it's what we've already seen so much, so many times with NHL teams and in, in this culture, it's just that until they're repeatedly called out for what's going on, nothing is going to be said. That culture of silence. And yeah, and just to be clear, let's not pretend like this is just a, well, it's a Chicago thing. Can I read you a quote today from Dave Tippett? Sure, yeah. So this is uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman. He writes for The Athletic. He's an Oilers reporter. Uh, Oilers Dave Tippett on the Chicago sexual assault scandal. Quote, I don't have much comment on it i have some personal relationships there so i don't want to comment too much about it it was an unfortunate incident 11 years ago that i'm sure you'd go back and do things differently i mean it kind of says it all right there like this is a i think daniel made a a really good point nepotism like and whether it's family or friends or close like this is what this is let's not be 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 confused as to how and why this stayed under wraps for 11 years. There also may be another reason or more to do why it didn't come out at the time. Here's another snippet from the dossier. Okay. Bowman recalled that during the meeting, this the big meeting, we'll call it for if we say meeting, it's probably the big brass one we're you know talking about. McDonough and Quinville made comments about the challenge of getting to the cup finals and desire to focus on the team in the playoffs. Several years later, McIsaac in discussing, in discussing the situation between, um, between Aldrich and John Doe with another Blackhawks employee stated that McDonough did not want any negative publicity during the Stanley cup finals. Again, it's the thing of distraction. Yes. Yeah, no, that, that as well. To again, the priority there is is shocking. Priority, yeah. Their priorities are clearly not set the way they should be. Um, mm-hmm. I have a statement from the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm not sure if you guys have seen this. This is uh, a minute old or two minutes old. No, go ahead. A statement from the Chicago Blackhawks. First, we would like to acknowledge and commend Kyle Beach's courage in coming forward. As an organization, the Chicago Blackhawks reiterate our deepest apologies to him for what he has gone through and for the organization's failure to promptly respond when he bravely brought this matter to light in 2010. Mm-hmm. It was inexcusable for the then executives of the Blackhawks organizations to delay taking action regarding the reported sexual misconduct. No playoff game or championship is more important than protecting our players and staff from predatory behavior. The Blackhawks have implemented numerous changes and improvements within the organization, including hiring a new leadership team that is committed to winning championships while adhering to the highest ethical, professional, and athletic standards. Did they honestly write a sentence that included, we're committed to winning championships in it? Like they really no. did that. Maybe it's just me, but that, that, that rubbed me the wrong way. That, that line, that line rubbed me the wrong way. Well, one thing we should probably mention, by the way, you've just kind of reminded me of it is that the report has also sort of stated that ownership 
there was no evidence that ownership were aware of this until the lawsuit mm-hmm. came about. Yeah. Have your opinions on that, what you will, but that's what the report says. Um, okay. One quick thing about Bowman, because there's a certain part of this where, um, of the report where it goes to Shevel Dayhop said this, Bowman said this. There's not a whole lot about Shevel Dayhop in the entire thing. So we can talk about like exactly what happens with Quinville and that later. Um, but there is some interesting stuff about Bowman here. So just one quick thing. And uh, this, I think this is going to make people mad because I'm going to be pretty mad reading it. Bowman recalled that during the May 3rd, uh, 2010 meeting, either McIsaac or Gary stated that there was an incident between John Doe and Aldridge in which Aldridge had tried to, quote, climb into bed with John Doe one night at Aldridge's apartment. Bowman recalled that Gary said he had only spoken to John Doe earlier that day and that John Doe did not want to talk about it. Bowman told us uh, that, as described to him, the situation did not strike him as immediately alarming and at the time as the allegation did not involve the sexual assault as having occurred. I'll read that last one one more time. Bowman told us that as described to him, the situation did not strike him as immediately alarming at the time as the allegation did not involve a sexual assault as having occurred. So, so it, it's, it's, sorry, it's just, it's just, it's almost kind of like the phrasing of try to climb into bed. And also, again, it's another example of Bowman sort of going and deflecting blame to another party here to me. Am I wrong in thinking that? Because no, that's I, what I get from it. I, I don't think you're wrong. All I've heard from Bowman is passing blame on um, mm-hmm. from one person to another. And well, you know, someone described it to me and, you know, we, I, I thought John McDonough was going to do that. Like, what is it? What's going on here? Yeah, he's what? the GM. Like, I don't understand why he kept doing all of that where <laughs> I don't know. Hey, listen, at my job, all I do is call people to tell them they're getting stuff delivered. Okay. If there's a problem, I go to my boss, right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm expecting something, I chase my boss just to be like, hey there, what's going on with this so I can get back to, to this person, right? If it's like that, for you know, a university student trying to you know get some extra money in his pocket or something like that, why is there no follow-up in a billion dollar organization for sexual assault? That's the red flag, by the way, another thing for Bowman there. There is no excuse there. It's like, oh, no, just one, too busy. Because, okay, just to remember here, what are GMs, if you're a GM and you are, you know, your cup, your team is in the cup final, what are you doing other than stressing and watching a hockey game? Was that it? Was he too nervous? Not making any moves like, oh, God, yeah, at the time. Yeah. We're in Philly tonight. What do we do? Oh, it's game six. Oh, you know, I'm sure he had all the time to talk to Patrick Kane after he scored the game. It was the game six overtime. Yeah. But, you know, oh, but McDonough, oh, they got it. Oh, well, someone else doing? is going to deal with it. Someone else will deal with it. It was, it was, it's one of your employees saying that this has happened to me. What are you thinking, dude? I, I just... Uh, not to mention, we know that players have also oft, like often talked about the distractions of the room, right? Mm-hmm. Is it not alarming that, and this is a decade ago, 
that a player in this instant is being raced to you right after. I'm kind of fuzzy on what exactly these details might be, but this might have happened in the middle of the third round going into the cup final that somebody took the time to acknowledge, like, to tell you about this. That should be a red flag by how little players actually talk. Even today, if somebody said to you, this is happening to me, in the third round, it's a big deal. A decade ago? And we look at how, like, some players, like, nowadays, and we're going, like, Oh, here's Jonathan Drew and Bobby Ryan and all that getting help. And it's a big deal now. A decade ago, that didn't raise a flag to Bowman. And it was Paul Vincent, a very well-respected voice in all of hockey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Another tweet I wanted to quickly read. This is in reference to Gary. This is again from Rick Westhead. Uh, New, the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation, which licenses uh, certified counselors, has opened an investigation of Doc Jim Gary, who was not an actual doctor, who allegedly told John Doe 1, and again, I'll emphasize earlier, a lot of this stuff is not easy to hear. And again, Jim Gary was a mental skills coach. And in the report, it talked about how he re- regarded, like, sorry, you know, kind of used juvenile sexual humor to engage with players. He has apparently said, allegedly told John Doe 1 that the, ex- the sexual abuse was his fault. That's something else going on. By the way, um, every apparent member of the executive team from 2010 is now gone. Good. Good. Like, the guys, Good. Like, everyone is gone. Everyone is gone now. Receipts. This receipts and let's not forget that there are other members of the team who apparently might have gotten crap here i'm going to read something from this is in regards to black ace one again not easy to hear i'm going to keep going here though in 2010 rumors of an incident between black ace one and aldrich started um started and followed black ace one for years black ace one recalled being asked by a couple of players about whether Aldrich gave Black One Ace a BJ. Black Ace One recalled laughing off the question and saying no. A former coach for the Rockford Icehawks wrote in 2011 evaluation of Black Ace One, I think what happened last spring with Brad Aldrich weighed heavily on Black Ace One this year, big time. By the way, if memory serves, Alex, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you look up who the Rockford Ice, Ice Dogs head coach was back then? I think we all know the answer, but I want to make sure. Um, When interviewed, the former coach stated that he never spoke to Black Ace 1 about Aldridge and based the note in the evaluation on rumors he heard at the time. Black Ace 1 also recalled an incident in approximately 2014, four years later, when he was chased around the ice by a former Blackhawks player who had called Black Ace... um, it's a slur. It begins with F. I can't use it. I'm not going to. And asked if Black Ace One liked that BJ or what. Another thing about hockey culture, by the way, there that the teammates were were ripping a guy about it. About it. Well, four yeah. years later, by the way, this is still Blackhawks. They were going to win the cup next year. This is still them at their at their at their best and like a model organization in the league. Remember, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. What year? Uh, what year was it that you're asking for? 2011, 2012? Uh, it just says 2011, but it's it's in regards to the instant afterwards. So 11 to 12, please. Yeah. So it's Ted Dent. It oh, was actually okay. the year before was Bill Peters last year. I'm assuming that's who we were all thinking. Of yes, time. yes, yes. Okay. Never mind then. Never yeah. mind then. 
because no, there would have been um but I mean let's not forget the Bill Peters Akima Lu situation he, all that was another part of that organization. He was uh that was his first year Bill Peters first year uh in Detroit. That's, that's just but he, he, but he did come from Chicago's organization, didn't he? Correct. Yeah. He and spent he 3 went, years there. That's ridiculous. And then he goes to Detroit and he's under Babcock. Correct. And okay. then Carolina and then Calgary. And, yeah, and now yeah. KHL or something? Or is he Where, just gone? Man? No, I believe he's in the KHL. Okay. Um, and one last thing before we go into some more details of sort of how the league needs to respond and how they punish the Blackhawks here. Um, and by the way, that interview that Rick Westhead did asked all the questions. Yes. Especially towards one group, the NHLPA. Oh, are we going to talk about that now? I have one quick snippet here that I'm going to read, and we can see where it goes. Okay. We're, by the way, anyone listening, we're only talking about this today for obvious reasons. It's this. Um, Okay. So in all of this, by the way, for some context, John Doe had a confidant in all of this. Quote, the confidant recalled that Fuhr, Donald Fuhr, a.k.a. the the head of the PA, I believe this was right at the beginning of his tenure, responded that he knew people at USA Hockey and that the NHLPA would look into the situation and that the NHLPA could offer support. At the time, Aldrich, I believe, was actually going to work for USA Hockey. The confidant recalled that Fuhr suggested that the individual could speak to the PA-affiliated therapist, even though the individual was not an NHLPA member. When interviewed, Fuhr stated that he did not recall a conversation with John Doe's confidant, although he did not deny that such a conversation occurred. And I believe in the interview he had with Rhett Westhead, Beach did say there were at least two conversations yeah. with Donald Fuhr. So this is from Mike Stevens, the mm-hmm. same one as before. Um, but I've seen everyone tweet this as well. Uh, I was on an NHL roster when this happened. I, I reported, I know I reported every single detail of this to someone at the NHLPA. And for him... Uh, Donald Fair to turn his back on the players when your one job is to protect. I don't know how that can be your leader. We've sort of looked at Donald Fair and criticized him about the Eichel stuff. That's a surgery for a neck. It goes that much worse. You guys know my skepticism of the NHLPA. Yep. I think this yeah. is very much. This is very much made it worse. I think the NHLPA has done a horrible job and they look horrible after this. Um, They only speak when forced to, they only deal with issues that are minor. Like I don't care that the NHLPA is involved in this dress code shenanigans. Why wasn't the NHLPA involved in this? Why isn't the NHLPA like, why are we six months into Jack Eichel and now we're talking about a grievance? Like why have the NHLPA been so quiet on every issue? It's just infuriating, infuriating. If I'm a star of this league, if I'm a minor league player in this league, I am, I am infuriated by what I've just heard about what the PA has done this. I, I don't know what I think of Donald Fear anymore. Like, it's just, it's gone. The reputation of Donald Fear, along with multiple other people, reputation is down the drain for me, personally. Mm-hmm. No, I don't I don't know if anyone after all of this can really think that. I, I, again, this was, 
I, I just the stain that this is going to have is is this is should forever change the game in a good way. There should be first off, it's embarrassing that they even need to talk about this. As in, sorry, not talk about this. That this was uncovered a decade later. It's embarrassing on that front, and it's just it just shows the failure of the league and the Blackhawks. But and Kyle Beach did talk about this. And, you know, it, it takes so much at the end of the day for him to sort of say, you know what, hopefully there can be change here and all that. The, the fact that he could still be positive and all that after everything that's happened to him and the speculation and how people starting yesterday figured out that it was him because the details of this age of this player and then it, was, it wasn't hard for people to figure it out. First off, speaks to his character and just how good of a person he is. Um, so much respect for that. But just... You just you have to hope that the league can somehow learn from this, even if they should have been learning from this forever ago. It's so sad to have to say that, but that has to be the hope right now for fans of this game. Um, just some context for some stuff, if anyone's interested, is over 100 people were interviewed for this, apparently, for the, the findings here. 21 former and current Blackhawks and Rockford Icehogs were talked talk to um uh we also know by the way now the fallout of this it's said that bill Guerin will be the new gm of usa uh hockey which for those of you who don't know he's currently also being investigated for an incident back when he was a member of pittsburgh and covering sexual assault that's all alleged right now there's an investigation going listen I don't know what USA Hockey are thinking, but it seems to be on an Olympic level, at least their reputation continues to just be questionable at best. Um, but we'll see there. Um, you know. You brought up an important point there, and I want to emphasize it, about yeah. how the league will respond. It has been over two years, almost two years, sorry, um, since the Akimalu all that stuff had come out after Mike Babcock was fired and, and the ensuing um, things that had come out. We are still waiting on the investigation of that. And it's been almost two years. So if that, that's gives us people an idea of how long of, uh, sorry, of how the league will handle this. I, I do think it will be, I think it's going to be quicker than that just because it's – it's well, we already know that Batman's meeting with Chevy and that in the next few days, but it, it, it just kind of talked to the – again, there was no sort of investigation from the league itself until sort of it became mainstream, and only now are we sort of getting word that, okay, Gary's going to move in now. You're like, okay, there is definitely a late response to it and the fact that there is no sort of – I don't know if the league have this power, but – Considering the influence Gary Bettman has over ownership, how there wasn't a thing of, can you fire him and not, you know, let him step down? Or how he hasn't sort of pushed to be like, oh, hey there. Um, sorry if I'm losing my train of thought here. Like, how he hasn't sort of put the pressure on to say, okay, if you're Winnipeg or you're Florida, temporarily suspend your guys in the meantime. That's a that's a big thing. That that also shows a sort of response from the league. Not to mention, Alex, kind of building your point of almost inaction. So I believe Jeremy Colton's their head coach. Their his salary is around one and a half million dollars, right? And people have been using this comparison all over. When the Devils got lost picks, which I think they eventually got back anyway, they got thirtieth back, but because um, they were a lottery team, but they just gave them the thirtieth pick of that draft. So they gave that up and. 
And this is in regards to the illegal Ilya Kovalchuk contract. Alex, you're going to know this. How much were they fined, the Devils, back then? $3 million. The Blackhawks were fined $2 million by the league for mishandling this whole thing. So I'm just going to quickly get up cap-friendly, and let's just do an experiment, shall we? Okay. So I'm going to go to the Chicago Blackhawks, who have not won a game, by the way. And I will personally be rooting for the Leafs tonight. Um, what? To just I I genuinely hope the Blackhawks lose twenty to nothing tonight. I really do. So just for some context here, um, okay. So Henrik Borgstrom and Ryan Carpenter together make two million dollars. Um, Brandon Hagel makes one point five. Only a million more. Dylan Strome makes three. Um, just for some context there. Their backup, oh, sorry, Caleb Jones makes less than a million dollars. So basically, you got fined about two and a quarters of Caleb Jones. Um, they were basically fined a third line winger for <laughs> mishandling a sexual assault claim from an employee. I just want that to sink in for everyone. The. A team that is, by the way, I, I think it's easily top 10 value, one of the few teams in the league that are valuable and make money. Correct. The team that for a decade, by the way, had Taves and Kane being the highest sold jerseys in the league. And those aren't cheap jerseys. Not to mention, okay, so let's just sort of shift gears here. And that is, we, we're now going to sort of look to what happens. We know that I think tomorrow Quinville is going to New York to meet with Gary Bettman to discuss that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's on, is it on Monday that I can't remember the exact day that Cheval Day yes. is going to meet? Monday? On Monday. Like, it's Wednesday. Am I the only one beyond belief? I don't care if he play, if his team plays a game. I don't. Zoom. Like, you, yeah. Zoom. There's always times where, for other reasons as well, that the team will be fine without the coach for a few games. And for a situation like this, I really hope Joel Quenville recons- yeah. like, considers that. Trades aren't done overnight. They're done over months. He can skip one evening to go talk to Gary. If like I, I can't understand why either of them, Shevel Dayoff or um, Quenville, are currently going to be at either of their games. And for thing for shovel day off it's probably more than one game so it is by the way now based on the findings of these investigations true that they denied knowledge which they did about this i believe they both said oh we didn't know until it all came out or at least mm-hmm. until the lawsuit yeah. or after until aldridge was gone at the very earliest i believe and now we know that's false they lied about that and they're still around as of right now Can I ask you guys a question? Uh, sure. Why is it that when a player has a hearing, he is no longer allowed to play a game until the hearing is done? But when an executive, when an executive um, has a meeting or a chit chat, whatever way Gary Bettman wants to spin this, it's okay for him to be there to be at the game. You know what Gary would say. We what need time to pull all the procedures together or something. What procedures? We want to get it straight. I don't he know. Can, he no can excuse. come up with a bajillion excuses. I will not accept one of them. They've had time too. They've had time. They've had since the, when did this break? The third or fourth round of the playoffs last year? Because Bergevin was asked about it, I remember. 
Um, which, yeah. by the way, let, let's just let's point it out here because we do talk about the Habs on this on this this show a lot. Um, Mark Bergerman was not named. I think I don't think I saw his name once in that entire dossier. I don't. I like, don't think it was no. Um, but since then, they've had time to sort of prepare for what this is. And again, Zoom. We email, Alex sends out an email, <laughs> and I'm in right away. Daniel's maybe like ten minutes, but you know. Um, <laughs> I was early today. Don't throw him under the bus. Yeah, no, but you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. is the point that, like, how quick it is. That's all you have to do. I'm sure the, I'm sure they have a lawyer ready in, 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 in Winnipeg. Excuse me. Probably. Just no reason. Because honestly, let's just, let's just be straight. Like, f- like, forget about Joe Quinville, who is probably the second, the greatest coach of this era, probably second all time behind Scotty Bowman. You're right. Just uh, what does this say about that family's reputation now? By the way, with what's happened with Stan, that has to go now. The three cups, whatever. I hope. I really hope Chicago stop booing Jeremy Colton because it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Because we're gonna, we're so upset you replaced Quinville after like knowing what sort of happened. Now Quinville was obviously let go because for whatever, like because they were Bowman was an idiot. Yeah, they were fighting over the fact that he brought them three cups, like like because you know the Blackhawks are idiots. And at the same time, Sheffield Dayoff, too. I mean, he's, even if he was just the AGM and of all those people, was probably at the bottom of the ladder, still denied knowledge of it. They have no right being in the game anymore. Can I read, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, go ahead. Can I read you a Jeremy Nicolaton quote from this morning? I would love to hear it. It's 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 not what you think it is. Um, it's okay. bad. It's not great. It's not a good look. Um, oh, no. Jeremy Culleton called it a tough day personally to see Bowman resign. Stan's the one who gave me the chance to come here, and he's been a great mentor. I feel bad for him. Obviously, what's in? Oh my god! I feel bad for him. Obviously, what's in? What's in the report? It's tough to read. The Stan I know that's not his values. I'm before either of you go, it's not, it's just, how do you say that publicly? Like, how do you think you wake up this morning and say, yep, this is the findings. And the first thing is I'm going to practically defend Stan, but like, that's what it is. Like, let's not pretend like it's something else here. It's just. Do you know who I respect a lot and who I have gained a lot more respect for? Not that I didn't like this guy before, but you know who I have in very high regard now after who? today? Alex Debrinkat. Yes. Who yes. said this is probably the right decision. Who was honestly, for anyone who's spoken today, him, Duncan Keith, has been the most for like, yeah. And he's like him. one of the youngest guys. Yeah. That was, actually yeah. made a stand in, you know, amid all of the other veterans around the league, all of the management, between, all the coaching staff. Between him, Kane, and Taves, because obviously Kane and Caves are a lot older now, like, DeBrincat's going to be the guy who's going to be around there the longest. The The party line in Chicago today should have been we're committed to moving forward, and we support John Doe and all of that. And they just sort of missed that. Which you should is- be apologized, like, just a generalized sense. And again, you know, when you mentioned the cup part, Everyone on Twitter, all of the journalists are talking about that as well. Like, was that really necessary to add at this no. moment in time? Like, it's just, it's again, like the team is tone deaf. All but two of those players weren't even there anymore. Two half that team. It's chaining caves and that's it. And our, 
either aren't both of them away right now because they're in COVID protocol anyway. Funny you say that. Jonathan Taze is in the lineup tonight. Yeah, Kane is still out. Has has, has Taze spoken? Because no, he is under them, fire today. Neither of them have spoken. Both of them were there. They I, they need to speak. I don't know uh, at what point you want to talk about the media because I would genuinely like to have a conversation about that or let me just rant, whatever it is that you want to do. If no one asks him a question about this, that is a failure. I don't care that they played a 60 minute game. That's irrelevant. I saw like, it's just, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I like to ask um, where other players, because I know that, a lot of them have retired or they've they're in other leagues or just I don't know how the contracts are working because they're technically not playing, but I just know like Duncan Keats has been asked twice and he's denied it twice. But I just want to know, was there anything on Brent Seabrook or Marion Hosa? Or even Corey Crawford? I know that there there was a snippet that there are some players who were asked and just said no. So cause I, I guess it's not the sort of same because it's not like subpoenaing someone i guess i'm not a law expert but it was just sort of there were guys that or if they're in there they just weren't spoken to because you know i think what did duncan key say is like i don't talk to the video coach that much or it was him or uh, i can't remember it was one of the core members of the blackhawks did say it but it definitely wasn't seabrook who was you know retired somewhere right now but that's what i would say um so going to the media stuff first off I, if we're talking about the media, like I'm, I'm smiling here because I love Rick Westhead so much. Um, I DM'd him and I said, like, you know, as a journalism student, like, I think I, I was like, you're like, I just praised him. And he got back to me. Um, he did, yeah. Um, and like, honestly, um, you know, Rick Westhead. I think on the show, I've described him as like he is the like best example of a journalist, like in hockey he has never been afraid to talk about the tough stuff even before this and obviously like acknowledging katie string and mark lazarus too but rick westhead the work he has done has shown he has never been afraid to say it like 32 thoughts it's always been all the situation and freeman go on and they have this big statement ready no offense to those guys i love them and respect them um but rick westhead has been there at the front um, and I, he's not going to listen to this podcast, but like, he, send it to him. he is a role model, honestly, like that guy is incredible. And every journalism student should look at him and say, that's the gold standard right there. He wouldn't want this to be made about him. Uh, and I hate doing this, but go listen to the episode, of the SDP he was on. I think he's going on again later this week. Yeah, after you've listened to this, of course. Um, but that is the bar guys him and i also like to say in his personal life what is going on right now i know with his son and chemotherapy sessions that is something that we hope everything's okay with him and his family's in our prayers Mm -hmm. alex go go ahead go ahead um, i know you wanted to to thingy here well I, i think you make a good point there about what rick westhead does for sports journalism uh because i think I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think there's a lot of people who look at sport journalism and say, well, it's about talking about the game. It's talking about uh, trades. It's talking about this. It's talking about that, where it's not about like it's 
it's also about the issues. Like there's always going to be issues in everything in politics and sports and business in whatever it is. And journalists cover those issues in every other category I mentioned, but it's just not talked about in sports. So for to see someone to do like in proper investigative journalism in sports, it, is good to see and and to look like we don't know what the impact or the change will be yet because change does take time Mm -hmm. but i can very much say i think there's going to be an impact on a lot of people and i think i mean we've all written stories i think knowing that your stories impacted a lot of people should mean a lot um but what i wanted to talk about the media so just, is, just one quick thing before yeah. we go. I just want to add on to your point there. Um, my second year writing coach and David Singh said to us very importantly, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's sports, politics, it's writing stories at the end. And this is the biggest story this league has seen um, probably since the concussion stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I, I, it's, I, it's difficult for me to say this, but it's, humorous in a way to see a lot of people now thanking David, um, sorry, thanking uh, Kyle Beach to me, because a lot of people were very silent on this issue. A lot of respected journalists were very quiet on this issue. I have an idea why it's just not important enough. I really expect next time, that they are more open to talking about, not just talking about it, writing the story about it. It's great to write the story when it's done. When, you know, well, the report came out, we got to write a story. Well, what about your sources? What about like, a lot of these guys have sources, man. If I I find it hard to believe that no one had any information on this. Mm -hmm. It's just upsetting to see, um, and, and I really hope next time everyone does a whole lot better, and I almost guarantee this is not going to be the only time an issue of this stature is out in hockey yeah, like, or in sport. I really hope that this is a lesson to the league that it puts more pressure on them to – what we've said before, like, just don't believe that you could throw, you could just drag things under the rug and expect them to go away because they had these quick fixes and they had these really bad excuses, like, oh, we were focused on winning. What I don't know, it's just something with the NHL, just that that human element that we've seen in this case, in so many different cases, is not evident to them. And man, like, I've said it countless times, but. The way the NHL operates, the way it's so closed off, the way that they have this sense of old boys club still, where they have this this culture that it's not inclusive in any way. Like there's like why do you expect that less people are dropping the are less people are investing in the sport? Like I know that um he's one of our professors, but not, I don't think any of us had him. But like at the athletic, Sean Fitzgerald, he wrote a book about 
no one wanted to play hockey anymore where you know you separate it from that canadian identity now and you see a lot more of the immigration coming to canada and hockey's not the first sport and they're frankly not doing a good job of editing adding anyone to it like personally and i know this is a very long way from now but it's something that i really hold personal is that when there's things like this that when i have a daughter or i have a son like i don't want to i don't want to put them in hockey Oh, I, I was talking to my mom earlier, and she talked about, like, I think, like, Tim McAuliffe has kids in, you know, sports. And I was like, how do you do that? Like, I've honestly, thinking to me, I've always, like, I've never really wanted kids just because, like, I'd be so paranoid of having, like, a daughter. Or just because, you know, it's, I remember seeing a tweet once. Um, it's, it's a bit of a joke, but it, it tells you the seriousness. It was like, girls, what would you do if men didn't exist? And it was like, put headphones on, blare your music, and walk around in the night. And it's like, it just kind of hits you um, to like the world of like they, for example, live in women. Um, and this is just sort of like, it's, it's just, yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't trust people. I wouldn't trust sports and that. And I love the game of hockey, but the past, since we started this show has just felt like, like the reputation of the sport has just gone down and down and down and down. So something I wanted to quickly mention, because I, I just saw this on Twitter. Rick West had just quote tweeted the TSN thing about the interview and said, I've talked to Kyle since our interview was broadcast and he's in a good place. He's on Twitter. And for those who want to give him a follow and send him some love, uh, it's KBCHY12. So that's that's K-B-E-A-C-H-Y-12. Um, and his latest tweet is just joking about something going on the podcast um, August 2020. And um, it's already starting with, there's already 70 replies on it. I quickly threw something up there. Um, but, like, go send the guy some love. Because, like, the amount of courage it takes to go out and, um, and sort of tell the story, his story that he did. Guy's a hero in my books. He really is. And, like, uh, and especially, you know, hockey, going to TSN, which is, you know, the one of the big two when it comes to broadcasting, obviously, here in, here in Canada. Um, you, you, obviously it's probably because of how, it also speaks to how big Rick is because Rick was the one who had the interview because you know that he trusts Rick, Rick Westhead, you know, he does. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm sick. Um, anything you guys would like to say here? About the Blackhawks, about Kyle Beach, about Rick Westhead. Anything, final thoughts on this entire, um, this tragedy, really. But at the same time, hopefully a moment that's going to change the game for it better. For the better, sorry. I agree with Alex where, you know, it's going to take a lot of time for this to be fully implemented. That we're going to see very concrete changes within the game, within the league. And what I've mentioned before, where I'm speaking to other people who have played junior hockey and they've experienced that toxic, sorry, the toxic sense of the culture there. And like what I've said before and what we've seen, what we've seen with it, it's just, it's always starts at every level. We can't just look at the NHL and say that, all right, well, you know, this happened here. Now we're going to be able to say that this is a universal thing, but I really believe that change has to happen at every level and that openness to things. I know when we had Richard coffee on and he mentioned about what's the difference between other sports and hockey growing up. It's just that isolation you have from everything else that it's away from other voices. It's away from how other people are. And 
that just creates another sport in itself that what they believe is best. And what we saw clearly with the Blackhawks is that if you're not winning, then what's, what's, what's everything else? Like what, nothing else matters in this sense. And for me, like that needs to change. Um, we're going to definitely talk about this again at another time, but I guess of just today we're everything here. I know we've followed this case very closely as it unfolded, but it's just still a lot to process for me. Yep. Alex. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't think this story is over. Uh, maybe the report is done. There, there could be things to, more things to come out, but I, I, I think this story is far from over in terms of, well, how does the NHL respond? And I mean, we've had the discussion about this, but overall it, it was really disappointing. Like just reading the report was, it was difficult. Not like, not going to lie. I think we can all agree on that. Listening to him talk very difficult. Um, A lot of reputation, a lot of people's reputations were thrown in the garbage for me. I, I think a lot, there's a lot of people on Twitter who very much agree with the stance of why is Joel Quenville playing uh, coaching today? And it's surprising. It's genuine for me, knowing how divided hockey Twitter is at all times, no matter what to see, to see a general consensus is nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, one more time. Thank you to Kyle beach for everything you've done. Um, be better Chicago um, be better hockey um, you know I look forward to doing the podcast as much as we do it um, in the worst ways I didn't I wasn't looking forward to today's episode um, but I'm happy we did it um, it was an important one um, people go send your love to Beach go do it uh, what a great what a great guy um, that's everything for us. Um, we'll see you next time when I'm sure we will be talking about, you know, the fallout from this and how it continues to go. Um, if you're the NHL, make the right decisions here. Um, because it's going to define a lot of your careers, the sport, and just do what's best for a human side of things, please. AKA, that's Quinville and Chevel Dayhoff need to go. Um, and one thing we'll mention, the Rottweiler is reminding me of it. Um, apparently, all of those guys who have sort of been uh, stepped aside um, from the Chicago stuff, if they want to come back into the league, they have to go through Batman, apparently. Good. And I'll tell you, um, he better have a pretty secure lock on the door to get back in. As tight as he had on Slava Voinov, and possibly even more. Uh, before, so he, before we go. Yeah. I want to read because I think it relates to what you were saying there about yep. Batman. This is a quote from Rod Brindamore uh, this afternoon. Ooh, yeah. So Sarah Sivian reported it. I asked Rod Brindamore what needs to change to prevent what happened with the Blackhawks from happening again. Quote, transparency. Players have to have a voice and it needs to be heard. An appropriate action needs to take place. No point in pushing things under the rug. And I think we'll close with the, you know, those words from Rod Brindamore. Uh, great coach um, and a freaking great way to end it. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.